Welcome to the family with Alex Brandt, Bernard Rasmussen, co-host Catherine Brandt, Andy Brandt, Bernard, and Mike Bryant. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. What's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who've been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if i'm hanging out with you uh, maybe <laughs> uh, okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant well, it's another year. What's new for 2023 at Walzer? Well, we're going back in time in a way. You bought a DeLorean franchise. Not exactly. Uh. The market's returning to normal. New inventories are getting back to pre-pandemic levels, and used car prices are returning to normal. So what's a 1995 Camry worth? Deep sympathy. Uh. Mike, have you considered something newer? Well, I would if it came with a 10-year, 150,000-mile powertrain warranty. Hey, was that convincing? As if I knew what a powertrain was? No. It's major medical coverage for your car, and it's free with every new car and most used cars at Walzer. I hope you're also keeping your return and exchange program. Of course, people really like that because it means you can't make a mistake. Interestingly, though, we sold 45,000 cars last year, and we took back less than 100. Amazing upfront pricing, a free 150,000-mile warranty, a return and exchange policy. It's no wonder you sold 45,000 cars last year. To learn more, go to walzer.com. Can I add something? No. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Tons of news, a lot of things going on. I mean, you know what I'm saying. Okay. We do. Oh, okay. it is 1210. Okay. It's 1110. Oh, okay. the guest is 110 Eastern Time is 1210. Yes. Midwest Minnesota Time. Minnesota Time, yes. So that is when he's on. Yeah. He's on 1210. Okay, good. We had it right. It said on the schedule. Okay. Good. We had it right. <clears throat> they had it right. All That's right. exactly right. Hooray. No question about it. Okay, sorry. I just wanted to double check because I hate that. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We took care of it for well, you. Well, sometimes when they're it. in a different time zone, they th- yeah, it's, it's kind of all over the place. I could Tell them to get announce our cool new project. <gasps> we have a cool What's new our cool new project? Dad knows about it. The mysteries. Dad knows about it and some of the listeners <clears throat> who have uh, seen it already know about it. It's a new thing that we're doing called the Lost Episodes. Uh, Basically, we have many, many, many thousands of hours of content. That will happen when you're yeah. podcasting been, for yeah, I've been doing it for hours and years. Hours, years. Yes. Five days five a week days for a week while. For 11 years. Many thousands of hours, and you can't get them anywhere. Um, so what we figured we're going to do is every Friday, we are going to put up a hour of the old podcast. And this well, last week, Friday was the first day we did it, and we decided that because it was Louis Anderson's birthday, that we would put out his first ever appearance on the show, Aww. which was episode two. 
Wow. For context, we are currently on episode 2,306. <laughs> Jesus. So that was like a while ago. A lot of podcasts. <laughs> yeah, a lot of podcasts. <laughs> That's too, so yeah, if too you want to hear Louie's first ever appearance on the show and the second episode of the podcast ever, um, it's oh, on the God. same feed as the morning show and the family. So you, wherever you get these episodes, you'll get it there, too. Are you sure we shouldn't just delete the first year? I felt like it's... Like I did not know what I was doing for the no 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 like but that second episode was actually pretty good because Louis Louis carried well, yeah. it very well yeah, yeah. you guys had that's lots true. of great stuff that's that's I remember really? listening to all yeah. that right off the bat you guys had some great <laughs> stuff uh, that's just good, actually the like strongest I... Mike uh, family stuff and also um, you know what, was that when um, Mike Rasp or um, was in Molina uh, Molina was Molina started yeah. like in Molina. year two I think. Oh, did he? At first, it was Sean and Tony Lee. That's right. Oh, yeah. Yep, way back when. And then oh, Melina came right. in, Mike Rasmussen came in for a while. For a long Sam time. Sam Sansevier was yeah. doing it for a while. That's right. Yeah, Sam, yeah we've Jeez. had a lot of We've had out. a lot of people. Don Shelby part was of the on show. for a Don while. Shelby was on for a long time. Mr. Swearhead. Yep. Sure the F-bomb. <laughs> he loved the F-bomb. No sure doubt about it. So another did. aspect of the Lost Episodes is every week we want people to tell us which episode that they remember that they can't access uh -huh. that they would like to hear. Now, why aren't they archived on, like... Uh... Because we have changed hosts one million times. Oh, one that's million true. times. But a how million? about... A, Pretty on, close. On iTunes, are, aren't we... At, aren't no, iTunes on will only go back, like, 50 or something like that. Oh, okay. And even if it did go back all the way... So how it works is you have to have your file uploaded somewhere so that people can download it. Mm -hmm. And you also have to have it indexed in an RSS feed. Mm -hmm. And every time we changed mm -hmm. hosts, we'd lose some of the RSS feed or we'd oh. lose some of the episodes that were uploaded. Like we had them in our own FTP for a long time. And then the FTP went away. So yeah, you FTP couldn't get them through tub. the old <laughs> website or anything like that. Oh, so there was, there was just no way to get them. And in fact... Um, Joe from Louisville, I have to give him a shout out because we had no access to about 300 episodes, but he had actually saved them to his computer from that long ago. Oh, wow. Oh my and I, as far as I know, he was the only one on earth who had those episodes. Wow. So, yeah. yeah that was giving me my question if there's actually some episodes that are completely gone. Not as far well, as I know. I think... I've got them all. I even have episode number zero, our test that we did in that weird little studio. Oh, oh yeah. really? I think that was over at, um, what was that oh, place God. called? It was in Minneapolis. Yeah, it was uh, it had some weird name. It was like aggressive. Yeah, it was Doug Dixon's yeah. studio. Time. Right? Doug Dixon's studio in the... Uh, in, in the fo on Fifth the and Tower? Tower? No. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Near there, yeah. studio? What was yeah. the name of that studio? It was used Audio to Ruckus. Yes, Audio Ruckus. Ruckus. Aggressive name. Yep. Oh, my God, yep. when Dad was yelling at us and didn't even tell us what we were supposed to be doing. Oh, my gosh. You were such <laughs> a nightmare the first year you of the were. show. Oh, well, we man. didn't know we yeah. had not learned anything. We Constantly were, like, why? swearing at us and storming off, and we're like, we yeah. have no idea what we're doing. No, what we do were, you want from us? We were completely untrained, unprepared. Yeah. Pay attention. Yeah. And by the way, you're doing a podcast tomorrow. Oh, okay. okay. And those for those listening, like? the odds of ever releasing number zero are probably not great because it's no, awful. Dad was too mean. Yeah. Well, not just oh, that. It was, was just like mean. we didn't oh, know what God. the hell we were doing. So well, it was just no like clue. a bunch of awkward pauses and everything was just, it wasn't good. 
But number See, one I, with Nick Swardson was not bad. I remember the first couple of episodes, Alex, when we were doing it in our basement in yep. the house. Remember well, that's when you were in the basement. We, we, well, there was one time because you, Dad, was like so wound up about this, getting this done and how it was going and. It was just really very stressful. We went in and took a snort. Oh yeah, we <laughs> in the left. the pantry one time because we left. Yeah, we I just don't think had... you mean snort because that's cocaine. Not a snort. No, <laughs> the old-fashioned snort. You mean drink? Yeah, I think we took a oh, shot okay. of vodka or something. something. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to think you went and no, we took not. a bump no, of coke. No, I've never done a drug in my life, so what was it? Back when Tom used to invite young comedians to his basement. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Remember I had a panic attack during an episode like i left because i had a panic attack because dad was yelling at me so much yep. oh god no that's so total all bs <laughs> it's no, not if you, you were a nightmare Andy, you could release a couple of them and then yeah. just really show the, the world the truth will come out what happened who's right tom or alex yeah. we'll have to take a vote gonna, yeah. did i tell you i have to leave early today i gotta leave at 10 after 11 speaking my, of snorts oh Okay. Did you know that uh, and, and, Andre Agassi, is that his name? Agassi. Was, he was married to uh, Brooke Shields, right? Racer? Yeah. yeah, he was. Yep. Yeah, she she just player. wrote a book or something, um, and he was like he was on crystal meth when he was playing tennis. What? I'm sure he yeah, was. He was a that's why wasn't he the one that was always Jesus. screaming and carrying on? No, that was McEnroe. Yeah, oh. McEnroe. Yeah, Agassi okay. was just the long haired kind of like playboy player. Mm. Oh, he was. And he was good. He had, he had a good meth. run. Yeah, he was actually on well, crystal meth when he was playing professional tennis. Well, is that, that against the rules? They don't no. do any drug testing for professional. Yeah, tennis. think they probably do for steroids, but not for meth. I mean, well, like, I mean, well, this was also was. like thirty years ago, at least. He's turned pro in nineteen eighty-six. So oh, things were a lot different back then. Yeah, Doc Ellis pitched the no hitter when he was on on I don't know if it was heroin or what he took, but he yes. said it, it, it helped him concentrate. Yeah. He just saw a big glove and a bunch of butterflies. Yep. Oh, well, what, what was when was the Barry Bonds thing? Which the steroids? the steroid deal? Uh, that was well, a while ago, wasn't that it? That was in, that was in the home the year of the home runs was what the late nineties. Yeah, so it wasn't until like the nineties that they really started testing people. Yeah. Or even caring if they were on things. Yeah, did they yeah. test? Um, did they test tennis players? I don't know. They probably do now. I mean, the guy Agassi won thirty-one million dollars over his life. That's a lot of money to you know not test for drugs. I think every single professional sport person They're gets tested for steroids. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, Isn't even tennis. You know, steroids will help you hit the ball faster, oh, harder, yeah, you know, you'll be able yeah, to run faster. More muscular. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, like, look at Venus and Serena. They're just naturally built that way, and <laughs> yep. that's why they have such an upper hand. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So but crystal meth is a stimulant, right? Yes. Yes, yes a very so powerful play, one. So you're playing tennis. You're all hopped up. In the heat. Oh, God. You know, I'm surprised they don't have heart attacks. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of them do. I well, don't know. No, tennis players. Really. No, crystal meth addicts. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Tennis players have a lot of issues with jet lag and flying around. They mm. end up in a lot of um, places. And so they always come up with these different solutions on how to deal with it. So like he's meth. probably using it to, you know, keep his keep his life going. Yeah, I was, I was just surprised by that. I'm always surprised when an elite athlete is, you know, doing something like that. I guess there was a ballerina, too, a very famous ballerina who was... High as a kite all the time I when she was performing. Meat, wasn't it? I knew a lot of. I thought you were going to say she was on steroids. 
To imagine that a bear, this gigantic ballerina stomping out onto the stage. I knew a lot of dancers that used to do ecstasy before they would perform. That seems like it would be distracting. No, they said that it just made them like so in it. Huh. I don't know. Well, I mean, I we still do. allow uh, nicotine and caffeine in yeah. uh, professional athletes. Yeah, those, those are both very powerful stimulants, stimulants in high yeah. enough doses. Yep. And I that's mean, like true. the the stereotypical, you know, image of a baseball player is a guy chewing tobacco. Yep. Mm-hmm. So they're always, yeah, they're always on some sort of stimulant. It just, uh, I guess it, if it's legal a legal one? stimulant, then it, but I wonder, so you're allowed to smoke, you're allowed to drink caffeine. Are you allowed to drink alcohol? Sure. Yeah? You nobody's, can be drunk on ever, the field? Nobody's ever banned alcohol. I mean, yeah. players used to drink it during games. There was, there was Ty Cobb used to talk about sliding so you didn't break the bottle in your back pocket. See, that seems like a double standard. It's like you're not allowed to take, you know, certain drugs, but you can take other drugs just because they're legal. It's like if it's about natural ability, then you shouldn't be able to take any sort of stimulant. No. Mm. Well, well alcohol always had for you. hall pass. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. God, what a world. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Everybody taking every... Oh, you know, it's really kind of sad. Mom and I were watching the news uh, just before the show started, about 45 minutes ago. We were? For somebody that doesn't watch the news anymore. Watch it a lot, yeah. <laughs> I watch the news. I've been telling you, I have to watch the news. I do, you know, four and a half hours of, uh, a day on the air. I have to know what's going on in the news. Okay. Well, last week you said, I don't watch the news anymore. Well, I don't watch it anywhere near as much as I used to. I can guarantee you that. Okay. It's tapering I off. can't. I'm tapering off as much as I possibly can. And today I wish I hadn't watched the news because Mom and I were kind of watching it together. She was in the kitchen over, looking over my shoulder, <clears throat> watching it. And uh, they went down this list of things that used to be important to Americans that are not important at all to Americans. Fax machines. Um, <laughs> yes, fax yeah. machines would be one of them. Beepers. Beepers. What were they again, Catherine? Uh, religion. Religion that was doesn't one. surprise me at all. Family. Family. Also yeah, having me. children and family. Religion yep. and. There were two more. Yeah. Can't For remember. what Marriage? percentage of Americans? A lot. A high. Yeah, percentage. it was like 70% of Americans don't care at all about, about family. Yes. Religion, That's family. It was high. It was huh. way higher than I thought. It was indeed. So there are four things that we don't care about anymore in America. And there is one thing that we do care about. There's only one thing that we care about. Yeah, that about. has gone what, up. Money? What station yep. is this? Um, was on CNN. Huh. So what was the one thing that's important to us? Money. You yep. got it. It's that money. has gone up. Well, All that matters, money. Well, I see, the reason why, in my opinion, is because it's just too expensive to live. Well, that's true. You know, I mean, when yes, you, have you have to, to spend, it used to be 30% of your salary is supposed to go to housing costs. Now, I, you know, most people, I think it's got to be at least at 40 or 50%. And well, then I mean, the taxes, they're taxing you now at the same rate as your house is going up in value yes. instead of the, you know, value that they used to do it, which was about 30, maybe even 40% less than market price. So now you've got all of those taxes to pay. They're raising taxes, taxes, taxes all the time in the state of Minnesota. It's really expensive just to live. It is, yeah. It certainly is. That's so just how I life think is. People get a little freaked out, you know. That's why they want so much money. 
Oh. You know, one thing, and, and you asked what channel it was on and all this stuff. The one thing I am enjoying about going back and forth is if you look at CNN and you look at Fox, or you look at Fox, then you look at CNN, there must be two completely separate worlds out there okay. because they agree on nothing. I mean, it's weird. Yeah. Uh, this is true. This is true. No, that's not true. No, this is true. No, it's not true. It's like, Jesus. Uh, but it's all about, that's all about money, too. Our news is not about delivering the news anymore. It's about making you uncomfortable so you'll watch so they'll make more money. That's all about money again, unfortunately. The um, New York Times did a story on it a couple of years back. It's older. And number one was family. Number two was religion. Yeah, see, there you go. Because, num- yeah, number one and number two on this list were the top two things that people don't care about anymore. No, I think he's saying New York Times said it's the things that the people do care about. They do care years about. Ago. Yeah, yeah, that was a number of years ago. It was, it, yeah, it was it's, years ago. It's four that's years, what I'm saying. four years old. You know, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. We yeah. used to care about those things, and now they're the top two things we don't uh, care about. I don't think. I think one of the wisest things I've ever heard is that polls don't reflect public opinion. They are yeah. designed to shape public opinion. As I in, agree. they're all fake. I hope so. Because CNN wants you to think that religion and family are dead. Whereas the New York Times apparently doesn't want you to think that. That's what I get out of this. New York Post. Post? No, this is New York Times. Yeah, you said Times. Yeah, it was the Times. Oh, that's the old one, though. The, the new one would be the Post now, the Carabon. You said CNN. The whole thing's political. Whatever. It's not what I said at all, but you know, maybe I'll start yelling at you like I did 11 years ago. Again. Mm. Yeah, you do every once in a while. So. What do you think of that? It's wonderful. We'd love it. <clears throat> so. No, I just... Um, one of the things that I, I really we had Craig Gass on the on the morning show this morning. Oh, I like him. <clears throat> I always enjoyed him, and and I, did, I had a little talk with him during the show on on the uh, show. As a matter of fact, the fact that he was the only person in his family that could hear their entire his mother, his father, and oh, his sister yeah. were all deaf, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what's great about that, Craig, is you you shifted your life. So instead of, oh, my God, my parents are both deaf, my sister's deaf, I'm a victim of, of, of this whole thing, it's just terrible, my life sucks, blah, blah, blah. He did the exact opposite because he could hear, he, inti- he, he did a, a version of everything he heard. So if he heard somebody's voice, he could just nail it because he was, he, he was so appreciative that he had hearing that he decided to use it, and now he makes a great living because he can hear. Isn't that a great story? It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's he's an incredible story. He he was the one that got attacked after a show, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. That's another thing. I'm going to attack a comedian. <laughs> what well, a handicapped comedian? You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, what are you Special doing? Kind of jerk to do that. Yeah, I don't understand that whole deal. Let's attack the comedian. There, there were used to be people that ran up on stage and punched the comedians back in the day. What? Really? Oh yeah. Oh, it's happened absolutely. Hmm. The guy with the guitar. There was a guy. I can't remember what his name was, but he played a guitar in his act. Bo Burnham. It wasn't Bo Burnham? That was, that was a piano. What's that? He plays the guitar too. Yeah. Oh, did he really? Oh, I didn't know that. Well, this it wasn't Bo Burnham. It was somebody else. But a guy ran up on stage, grabbed the guitar, and hit him over the head with oh, it. Oh, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> what? He's telling jokes. Why are you so upset, sir? Uh, that was... I... Let's see. Oh, you got it? That was... I don't... know. Okay. Oh, I thought you had something on it. I thought it I did, but it was the opposite. <clears throat> Because what was the opposite? Kenny Moore 
Apparently he had a guitar and someone heckled him and he smashed the guitar on the stage to shut him up. No, that's a different one. Yeah. There was one where the guy grabbed the, the guitar and hit him over the head with it. Not him, but somebody. Yeah, so that there were both, those things both happened. And I, I still don't understand, don't you go to see a comedian to laugh? No, you'd think. Yeah. Why, why do you want to get pissed off while you see a comedian? Who, well, why? Well, part of it is because there's that two-drink minimum. Well, <laughs> well maybe. And yeah. people do, I mean, yeah. a, a lot of people laugh harder and think things are funnier when they've had a couple of drinks in yeah. them. But some people get angry, and some people drink too much. So you got, you got those people in the audience, too. But I just don't understand. Hey, nice shirt. I'm going to kill you for saying that to me. Mm-hmm. Like, settle down, for Christ's sake. I go to I go to comedy shows to laugh and have a good time. Sometimes it's not funny, and I don't laugh, but I don't rush the stage. Yeah. I do it well, every you, time. You do see yeah, people absolutely. sometimes that are there. You wonder how they got there, especially like Mall of America. There are people who just kind of pop in that you wonder, what led them to get here and think this is going to be funny for them? <laughs> you know? Oh, you mean that they, sh- they just show up and buy a ticket and go in? Mm-hmm. I, it must be the case because they see comedians that sometimes yeah. I'm thinking don't really match their their look. But who knows? <laughs> you know. So I I watched a family just sit there quietly and stare at each other the whole show, and it was it was <laughs> it was like, well, I don't know why you thought these three urban uh, Chicago comedians would make you all laugh. But who well, knows? to be fair, sometimes it is like, how are you this bad? But it wasn't. It was. It was a difference in beliefs. I think is what it was. Oh, now we've had some comedians in though sure. on this show before that it's like we thought that they were going to be good, but then yeah. they were just incredibly awful. Yeah, some of yeah. them are, aren't very good. Well, some of them are so hungover. That doesn't <laughs> That's help. Probably true too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They come in and they're just like they can't even. It looks like eh, they might go throw up after they talk to us. So there's that. But I mean, the whole point of comedy is to go and take some of the burden off your shoulders. You got you know rent coming up. You got bills that are due. Let's go have a few laughs. Sure. I mean, that's what it was for in the beginning. Yeah, give people a break and forget about their lives for a little while and just laugh. Right. About stuff. You're sounding yeah. like the pinball movie. I love that movie, pinball by the way. Movie. Pinball movie. Yeah. <clears throat> nope. No, it's a new movie. What, what was the name? Pinball. It's Pinball, the man who saved. America. Well, the man who saved the game. Yeah. Saved the game. There Roger you go. Sharp. Yep. yep. That's exactly it. Yeah, it was it. a really interesting movie. It was kind of a docu, kind of a little bit of a documentary slash movie. Yeah, it's a, it's a true story. No, apparently, New York City had a 35-year <laughs> ban on pinball yeah. machines. Did they? Why? So did what? Chicago. <clears throat> LA. I'm guessing gambling Kind of they thing. thought it was, yeah. Of all Back the things the days, you can gamble on, we'll ban I know. pinball. <laughs> I know. Pinball. It's like, what? Go, uh, yeah, do you remember, all things. Do you remember who was it? Um, she was a teen heartthrob. Um, had a pinball movie. Uh, I want to say Mark Hamill was in it. Um, what was her name? Um, huh? Dang it. I don't remember that one. Yeah, it was probably in like the early 70s. Um, I'm trying to remember what her name was, but Molly I, Ringwald. No, it was before her. <laughs> yes, it was even before her. Oh, no. It was one of the fluffy-haired gals, not not Farrah Fawcett, but one of the other ones. Um, Phyllis Diller. She had <laughs> no. fluffy hair. Fluffy-haired '70s. I love I'm her. at a loss. Yeah, fluffy-haired '70s woman. You mean all '70s women? Yeah, yeah. every single oh, one. That's true. All of them were blonde. Michael, I have a question for you. Yeah. 
Did you ever see a picture of Phyllis Diller when she wasn't in her outfit with her hair and all that stuff? I don't think so. She was a beautiful woman. Wow. But nobody would laugh at her when she just went on stage by herself. Sure. Yeah. She was so pretty, they wouldn't laugh at well, her. Well, that was yeah, that was that whole genre. Lucille was, Ball, yeah. everybody, they had to make themselves look goofy because yeah. you couldn't be a, a good-looking, um, funny person. Still, I don't know why. The whole thing <laughs> of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, is yeah. it right? Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that, yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah, but if you think about it, all the male comedians from before that were also the same way. I mean, yeah. you it know, was... Groucho Marx and Harold well, Lloyd true. and everything. It's like eyebrows. just looking dumb was part of comedy back then. Yeah. yeah. It was Christy McNichols. It was called The Pinballs. Oh. Yeah. Who? It was an after school special. Christy oh. McNichols. McNichols. You don't remember Christy McNichols? Christy McNichols. Is she related so to she... Nichelle Nichols? It's oh. McNichols. McNichols. Nick Nickel. Nick Nickel. There's only one nickel. Oh, oh, she just has the one? Mm -hmm. Yep. No. I wasn't watching a lot of television or movies in the 70s. She did the pirate movie in 82, so she's early time period. She certainly looks like a 1970s female celebrity. Yep. That was her. (laughs) She does. She's got that laugh-in look. Oh, yeah. Where they all looked the exact same. I just saw something to make me really, really happy. I am no longer in music radio, particularly classic rock music radio. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm glad I'm not in it anymore. No, do tell. For the first time in 14 years, Eric Clapton's returning to St. Paul for a gig. Mm. Whenever that used to happen, I would get hundreds of phone calls. Well, you work at the Q. You can get me tickets, can't you? Oh God! I'd go see Eric Clapton. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Be... Tom, can you give me tickets? <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. Exactly. Hard no. God, I will never forget that. You, honest to God, you would just get flooded with requests from, you know, George Harrison was coming through or Eric Clapton in this case, 14. He hadn't been here in 14 years. Oh, my God. Thought... Back in the old days, you used to be able to get free tickets to everything. And yeah. then all of a sudden, that all dried up. It did. I thought you were about to say that George Harrison contacted you for Eric Clapton tickets. <laughs> he called me from heaven. <laughs> he did indeed, absolutely. Oh, here's something interesting. One of the listeners just uh, gave some more context behind the pinball thing. Yep. Oh. Uh, it wasn't until 1947 that pinball even had flippers. Right. What? That's exactly right. It was just the oh. plunger, nothing else. Just the plunger. So yeah, it was just—it was purely a game of chance, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So you just whip it up there and let it ride, huh? Yeah, basically. Have you ever heard of pachinko? Oh, sure. Yeah. Same yep. thing, yep. yeah. Yep. You just launch the oh, ball, okay, and yeah. where it lands, you you know, you get a certain amount of tickets or whatever. So there's no skill. Exactly. And back then, mm. games of chance were banned in New York City, probably because of the mafia, if I had to guess. Probably, mm. yes. Um, exactly. But he, uh, this Roger Sharp guy, argued that because you can control where the ball goes based on the spring-loaded uh, launcher, right. then technically it is partially a game of skill. Hmm. And it is yeah, that's right. kind that's of right. true. Yeah, well, he was a really good pinball player. Apparently, he, he started playing it in college and just got really good at it. And it, it was one of those things that like turned into a meditative sort of thing for him. Mm-hmm. It helped him think. And yep. he loved playing pinball. But when he went to New York City, nobody had one except for he found two, two old uh, pinball machines in, a, in an X-rated bookstore. Right. No, I just happened oh, to yeah. find them in here. 
<laughs> he used to go. He used to go to that and play pinball all the time. And they got sure. busted. Yeah, and then they got busted, not for the X-rated stuff, but for pinball machines. Yeah, because wow. it was a game of chance. Yeah, they used to yep. smash them up and carry them away. They were yep. just such a threat Jeez. to society. Hmm. I know. It was this. It was uh, LaGuardia, the guy yeah, LaGuardia, that the yep. uh, airport was um, named, after. named after. He was the mayor, and he was just, he hated pinball machines and wanted them banned, and he got it. Tom here. For years, you've heard me talk about my friends at North American Banking Company. They have great online and mobile banking options, plus friendly employees who are always ready to help. And with their location in Maple Grove now open, it's even more convenient for me and my family. Go visit my friends at any one of their six Twin Cities locations or go online to nabankco.com to learn more. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC and equal housing lender. You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. The, did you um, know, go ahead. very quickly, did you know, because you grew up in Boston, so not that far away, that um, in New York, what the hell is it going to say? Now I've lost my train of thought. What were we just talking about? We were talking the about the pinball? mayor banning pinball. Oh, oh. LaGuardia. oh, yeah, LaGuardia Airport was built over an amusement park. Yeah. Did you yeah. know that? Mm-hmm. I, I never knew that. It was built over an amusement park. That's kind of sad. Your little kids don't get to go to the amusement park anymore. You got to go to the airport named after LaGuardia, who hated pinball machines. He hated fun closed. of all kinds. Yeah, no yep, fun of destroy any. Destroy the amusement parks. Destroy yep. the pinball machines. <laughs> yeah. No I'll fun tell allowed. Tell you what you can and cannot do. And then who's the guy? Harry, the guy that that changed pinball forever, because he was watching people play pinball, and they would pick up the table and drop it. Mm. That's how they would steer the oh, ball. Oh, they around. would. Yeah, they would cheat. Oh, they it was cheat. one. Yeah, it was the. Yeah, it was the, one of the guys. I guess in Chicago, that's where most of the pinball machines were made. Yeah, there's like three yep. or four companies that Gottlieb made. Gottlieb and yep. yeah, and I it was one of the those. It I don't was, remember yeah. which one, but yeah. He so he added the tilt, uh, yep. tilt sensor. tilt to the format because they were cheating by picking up the tables. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. We had a sensors. pinball machine in our basement. We had two in our basement, we and two. we had one in the barn. In the barn, yeah. In the basement, we had, we had the Nightmare on Elm Street. We had F-17 <laughs> yes. Tomcat. And then yeah. in the barn, we had the Cyclone. Listen to you nailing them on. Mm-hmm. Did you used to play them a lot, Andy? Yeah, all the time. I thought so. And then we had Galaga 88 up in the barn, too. Oh, yes, Galaga. <laughs> and they ended up in an in a old folks' home. Did we they? donated them to an old folks' home. Oh, that's right. Home. We donated them to an old folks' <laughs> home. You should go to that old folks' home and be like, hey, this I is I wonder the... if they still work. I wonder. Yeah, who knows? Well, I mean, I remember our childhood dentist. The only thing I remember about that dentist is that they had a Frogger yep. machine mm-hmm. next to the door. Yep. <laughs> they had an R-Type 3 cabinet. Or no, R-Type 2, I think it was, cabinet. And then, yeah, they had Pac-Man. <laughs> I remember, yeah, all the arcade machines I've seen throughout my life, but nothing else. And I remember his name because I thought that that was a type of doctor. Because his last name was Geronimist. 
Oh, oh yeah. Geronimus, yeah. And oh, I thought yeah, that that yeah, was yeah. a type, the type of doctor he was. I thought he was a Geronimus. dentist. He was a Geronimus. Well, it sounds yeah. like something that someone would have been in, like, you know, 12th century Italy. Yeah. He, I'm a Geronimus, <laughs> you know. I, I thought he was like a specialty <laughs> dentist uh-huh. Geronimus. Exactly. <laughs> Because I was a child. Mm-hmm. Yes, Didn't know that's better. how children think. And that's you were a youth. the brain works. So i got to ask you guys a question. I see that the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up oh, about 0.71%. Well, well it's not up huge, but it's up a little bit. I'm getting rid of everything. Um, it's a little. Michael, you're an attorney. i got to ask you a question. You probably know about this. I don't know if you do, but you know, you, you probably would. Um they're thinking of changing the uh, the international currency from the American dollar. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I have heard that. Yeah. So, how is that going to affect us? Does that hurt our? I got to believe it'll hurt our currency a hell of a lot. That if would they be do not it. good. Yeah, that would no. that would have to if you're using well, something. It will devalue the dollar. Well, what are they going to make it? The yuan. Um, I can't remember what they were talking about making it, but why would they mess with the international? Uh, economy by doing something like that. Do you think it would benefit Russia, China, and and uh, Saudi Arabia? Absolutely. Well, it would benefit whatever country gets the new reserve currency. Correct. So if it's so, the, if it's the yuan, then China wins. If it's the ruble, then Russian Russia wins, et cetera, et cetera. So doesn't everybody have to vote on which currency they use though around the world? No, no, because no, there's you no have any control over yeah. anything. Oh, I thought that's why the game went with one standard, because everybody got a voice in it. No, they just went with the dollar, because the dollar was so powerful, and America time. was everywhere. Yeah. America owned, like, you know, half of the business in the entire world, so it's like, yeah, just go with the dollar, why it not? Made sense, yeah. But now America doesn't own anything. China owns it all, so it makes yeah. sense for the yuan to be the new international currency. So would that devastate our economy? I don't think it would devastate it's not gonna it. help it. Well, it ain't going to help it, I know. No, but, it'll devalue the dollar. But, I mean, will it devastate our economy? Well, I, I guess it depends on who you ask. Yeah, it's, that's an economist question. I, who knows? But it, wouldn't, it can't help. I mean, no, I, I don't know no. how changing the standard it would, would help us. No, it wouldn't help us at all. Well, the problem is America is so globalist at this point that we don't produce anything, really. Mm-mm. So we rely on international trading for, like, probably 80% of our economy. So if the U.S. dollar isn't the international currency anymore, then all of that global trading becomes a whole lot harder. So why did we ever allow this to happen? Why did we ever... I know they were trying to save money, and you know a lot of people blame it. Oh, as soon as we unionized, that's when we started buying everything from China. And as soon as the taxes went up, we started buying from China. What actually did happen? Because I don't know. I think China is just, it has so few regulations and so few, you know, there's no overhead, basically. You pay but here's the pro- You pay here's someone problem, the equivalent of, you know, $10 a week to go work in your factory. Right. That means you can produce things for very, well, very cheap. Yeah, and communism means that the government owns everything, so they can do whatever they want. Yeah, but the problem I have from the American viewpoint is... Most of the stuff there is made by slave labor, and we're supporting slavery. No one cares. Oh, but that's no that's the problem with the competition is it yep. that gives them the advantage. Yep, exactly. But you still can't support slavery. Just they don't care. <laughs> that's terrible. Depends on way over there to yeah. people that don't look like them, yeah. so they don't care. Jesus. 
Do you know that somebody, because I brought up that the slaves in China uh, are called the Uyghurs, and somebody thought I was cutting the big N in half and just adding my own. They thought I made up a word that wasn't the big N, but was Uyghur. Sounds like a very said, intelligent person. Yeah. I said, no, nah, i got to be honest with you. That's I didn't make that word up. That's what they're called. Yeah. It's like, Jesus, really? It's a branch of Muslims. Yes, it is, yes. I believe. And That's they've been in China for decades. It's not like, you know, it's not like they just immigrated over there and got rounded up. I, I don't I don't really understand why all of a sudden they were taken in like that. Indeed. Well, I tell you though, you look you look at the like I'm looking at a news site right now, the Wall Street Journal, which is pretty even keel. They they're not left and they're not right. They're pretty centrist, I, I think. Wouldn't you agree with that? I don't think any of us know. would know i don't really read it you don't pay attention oh, no. it's actually a great publication they have some pretty interesting articles and you get take uh, takes from both sides in the wall street journal which is what i like i mean it just makes a lot of sense to me but honest to god you go to any news website for like a newspaper or whatever there's protests in america there's protests in mexico there are protests in israel there are protests in france the world is very pissed off right mm-hmm. now so what are we going to do about that? Well, I don't know what you can do. I mean, think about if France. I mean, they pay enormous taxes. They do, yeah. And the social contract is the government's going to take care of every mm-hmm. single thing for you. And then all of a sudden the government says, oh, by the way, after you've, you know, you've worked for 61 years, next year uh, you, you used to be able to retire yesterday. Now all of a sudden you have to work until you're 64. 64, yeah. And you've been paying in and paying in and paying in. And it's like those the people that are in there, you know, 55 plus are the ones that are probably really angry. But um, they've been lighting, uh, there were some uh, 109 fires in Paris. Yeah. yeah the been, garbage yep. people are on strike, mm, so they're lighting yep. piles of garbage, which, of course, is starting other things <laughs> oh, on fire. They're lighting things on fire in Bordeaux. They're mad about it because they just all of a sudden switch it. But when yeah. you have a government that's in control of everything, that's what they can do. Well, I mean, it, it depends on when they last set the retirement age. Because the life expectancy has gone up. Yeah, So absolutely. it would make sense for the retirement age to go up as well. But, but I mean, it's like yeah. if they just set it, you know, two years ago, then obviously life expectancy hasn't gone up two years since then. Well, that's what they do, though. If France did that not too long ago. There were huge protests, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago when they decided to make the work week five hours longer or something and they all went insane because they don't they don't introduce it slowly and say these are the reasons why we need to do it it's just that Mm -hmm. we're going to do it because we don't have any money to pay for the health care anymore i think we can't pay you anymore every country should just have the retirement age be set at 90 percent of life life expectancy there you go if it goes up then you retire later if it goes down you retire earlier i have a question for everybody on this one I'm quite a bit older than 65 or 64 years old at this point. Why wouldn't I want to work? If you got a chance to work, why wouldn't you? I love working, although yeah, some people I don't, don't. It depends it's on your work job, too. So, I mean, yeah, yeah if you're if you're does. like you know a construction worker and you're 70 years old, you're not going to want to go to work because you probably can't no, really true. do a whole lot anymore. I suppose that's what it is because I I sit here and talk. I could probably do it. Well, Sid did it till he was 100. Yeah, so exactly. That you can do that forever. <laughs> Works for me. I gotta have something to do, man. I, I just I I'm am I weird that way? I I always have to have something to do or I get really bored. 
No, I think there's a decent number of people, but there's also a number of people that have no interest in doing anything. Mm -hmm. So, you know. So, Michael, you got uh, jobbed on your purchase. I'm sorry to, to report, but I just looked in the Wall Street Journal that uh, you offered to buy Silicon Valley Bank, but First Citizens uh, passed you up. They they paid $72 billion for no, it. Good. What? Yeah, good. $72 billion. Mm. What were the deposits worth? I <laughs> yeah, thought really. they went bust. <laughs> That's what I thought. I I'm I got to check this and make sure that it's absolutely true here. Deal with fe uh, federal regulators will make the lender. This is not Silicon Valley is going to be from broke to one of the top twenty five U S banks. Isn't that amazing? Uh, it is just amazing how things change with a stroke <laughs> mm -hmm. of a pen. Well, here it is. The purchase includes fifty six point five billion dollars in deposits. Uh, and about $72 billion of SVB loans at a discount of $16.5 billion. Hmm. Some $90 billion of SVB securities will remain in receivership. Huh. So $72 billion you're buying out of bank. And so, you're going to make money after doing that. So they keep, they, they don't, they're not buying the debt, but they're keeping the, the value? That's what I'm wondering. How can they do that? I think that means loans to Silicon Valley Bank, if I had to guess. Hmm. No securities though. Or He's talking about like the that. securities. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Seventy at some ninety billion dollars of SBB, SVB securities will remain in receivership. So the securities, yeah, the investments. So that that's just going to go away. Is that it? My doubt. It. I think if you owed <clears throat> Silicon Valley Bank money, you now owe citizens whatever money. It is First Citizens Bank Shares Incorporated. There you yeah, go. banks sell debt all the time. All the time. Yeah, all yeah, the time. Yeah, they do. Well, that's true, absolutely. But I don't know, man. It's. Uh, do you think, uh, again, Michael, what, what have you heard uh, out in the street? Uh, do you think we're going to get through this? Uh, I mean, we're going to take a hit, no doubt about it, but is it going to be less severe than they at first thought because all these banks are buying each other out? I hope so. I mean, you know, I but who, that part of it, I, I don't know. I leave that to people that think like that. I don't want to go through 2008 again. That was a very uncomfortable period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I suppose, and I was in 1929, that was much worse. So I, I don't know what the hell the deal is. But uh, what, and what is causing all of this is what I'd like to know. Why, why is our economy so, well, first of all, I will tell you one thing that does not help is SVB at Silicon Valley Bank had eight people on their board. Seven of them knew nothing about banking. They were just friends of the other people. Well, Why would you want kind of a board? That that's how yeah. kind of how boards are created. It is, yeah. Because if it was just people who knew what they're doing, you'd have either small boards or you wouldn't be able to fill them. So you fill them with just you know hunyucks hun that you can get. Yeah, but then they, they don't get a vote then, do they? Yeah, they do. Oh, yeah. They're board oh, members. Jesus. But I think they no follow along with what they're told by the people who know what they're doing, I right. think. They're just kind of puppets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but why do you want that? I, that's what I don't understand. Why the hell would you even want all of that? I think well, you need a certain number of board members depending on how big your a company is. It depends yeah. on your bylaws. But mm -hmm. um, also, for most companies, it doesn't matter. It's not really important. It's just when they go, things go wrong, then they look at those things. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we got some people that that have been placed in office, I guess, that they they know nothing about what they're getting into. Mm -hmm. This guy from the, at the FAA, he finally gave up. He wanted to do it and wanted to do it and wanted to do it. He knows nothing about it. It being, oh, the Federal Aviation Administration. But what is he doing? 
he would be in charge of keeping track of oh, everybody who, you know, that you kind mean of he deal. wanted the job, but he didn't get it. They appointed him to the job, and then some people fought back and said, he can't do this. Oh, he knows nothing okay. about this business at all. It was just a buddy that appointed him or something. I don't know what the hell it was. But it's just like, why do you keep doing that? Let's keep up. Well, they said, like I said, seven out of the eight people on the SVV board knew nothing about banking. Absolutely nothing. Uh, and then they all, of course, cashed a check for $3.5 million on the way out. This is the yep. last thing they did on the board. They paid themselves. <laughs> that is not uncommon. No, it's not. That's very, very true. But I don't know. We'll keep an eye on it. So, so you guys... You're not really negative about the future. I mean, there's going to be some bumps in the road. There's no doubt about that. But does anybody have a really negative view of what's coming down the road? Yep. Do you really, Andy? You think it's going to be a collapse? Mm, Probably. Oh, that's great news. Well, let's just fold it up then. Why work? Well, I mean, that's what a lot of people are saying. That (laughs) is true, but those people are dependent on the government, and the government, I don't think, is going to be able to take care of them for much longer. Well, that's what my next question was. So you have tens and tens of thousands of people living in the streets now. If our economy collapses, what the hell are they going to do? Because Mm -hmm. it's going to be a little difficult to get a hold of those hypodermic needles about half of them use. Yeah, well, everyone on welfare is going to be not doing too well. And that's a lot of people. Oh, that's a lot of people. Anyone on Social Security not doing well. So they're going to just tap Social Security for, to pay for all this stuff? I don't huh? think they're going to touch Social Security. That would be a, that would be a political minefield. They would, no. They're just, there's no way they can do it. No? No. They'll have to pull it from the military or something. Well, they have plenty of money for them from the military that they can pull. Uh, they cut that, I thought, quite a bit. I mean, I'm of the mind that they should cut it down to Homeland Defense wall off the country and then rebuild (laughs) (laughs) works for me yeah i i like that walling off deal Mm -hmm. whether it's your house or the country let's just wall it all off and you stay where you are and i'll stay where i am we have way too many business interests in other countries that's true yes we do unfortunately well that's that's part of the problem we don't have anything of value to anyone anymore god unbelievable so where are all the cars built now because Detroit basically has, what, one car builder now? Isn't that true? Well, Fords are all built in America, I think. Or most of them, anyway. I think they're the ones that are built in Detroit, aren't they? Well, a lot uh, of no, them are there's... assembled here. I think there's well, yeah, that's the thing. That assembled. Like the parts where they built. Because assembly, yeah, like... Yeah. Well, I mean, down in Louisville, they have that Ford assembly plant, right? Yep. Right. But we don't know where the parts are made. And I'm betting a lot of them aren't made in America. You're probably right yeah, about that. Airplanes too. Most of it's made elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And they assemble them here. here. Yep. Yeah, but they don't make anything. It's like and the this IKEA is once again. of vehicles. So this is like once again because it's much cheaper to have them made elsewhere and then shipped here. Yep. I mean, yeah. If you can have a slave yep. build, you know, a hundred thousand parts for free, why not, right? Yeah, and also the robotics—they're ahead of us in robotics. Okay, so I have a question for everybody. Why didn't we then, because that must have all started in, what, the 50s and 60s? That's about right, isn't it? No, I think it was more like the probably 90s. Or was it that late? I mean, Detroit fell quite a while ago, yes, but we were still building a lot of stuff here probably until the 90s. Okay, so I have a question for you. If that's the answer, that you need to get cheap labor to build these things, and they all wanted to come here anyway... 
Why didn't we reach out to Mexico and say, hey, move to America? Because they're not going to make more than about 30% of what Americans make. And they're, they're not even going to do that now. But, All the ones that are coming across the border aren't making anywhere near as much money as Americans make. Two. Why, why didn't we see this coming and bring an entire workforce of, of the citizens of Mexico here? We could have stayed on an even playing field and still made everything in America. Well, What's the problem? Isn't that the, well, then you're going to get into a big fight on how you let that many people in, you know. But they're coming in anyways now, so what's the difference? Well, it, it, there is a difference because that's the fight on how they're being, they're coming in. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, you know, a bunch of people want to send them back or a bunch of people put them on buses and send them to the White House. Um, and so you have, you have a difference of opinion about those people in the country. Well, not to mention no corporations like illegal immigration sure. because illegal immigration is their paid very little because it's all off the books. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's what I was saying all along. If you invite them over here, they're no longer illegal. They're on the books, so you have to pay them at least minimum wage. But that's what I'm saying. Don't invite them. Just open the border. That's what If they find out the the border's open, they're coming across. That's what we We, did. But they're not coming here to work. They're coming here to live off the system. That's 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 the the problem. You can't force anyone to work. Depends on who we're talking about. There's a lot of them that are working. The the farms are are run by our. our, There's a lot of farms that are run by migrant labor. There's a lot of factories out there that are run by migrant labor. And like Andy's saying, they like it because they don't have to pay as much. Yep. But that was my whole point. Why didn't we look for cheaper labor 50 years ago? Well, Well, we did, and we found it in China. It also depends on what you mean by cheaper labor. I mean, there's lots of factories that would love to run on very cheap labor, and they'd love to have kids working in there and pay them nothing. Yeah, but in America, you can't do that for various reasons. Right. Well, then how are we ever going to compete? We're that's not. The that's the problem. Yeah, we don't, we don't compete because of that. And yeah, yeah, count on so. people people buying American or people believing in buying American. And, you know, you got the thing a is, couple of major – go ahead. So it's when you pay people a proper living wage to build your stuff and design your stuff and everything, you end up with better stuff, but it's more expensive. And people don't really care if it's better or not. They just care if it's cheap or not. They would rather buy a piece of crap ten times and have it break every time than buy a quality thing once. Because Why? they don't really think about the future. Well, that, that's a very good point because I think that's the that is the argument. They don't ever think about the future. If they had planned this all out, none of this would have ever happened. If our government had stood up and figured this whole thing out that we're not going to be able to compete and figured it out this would or you know or even you know what why don't you build some uh, factories down down in mexico and make all our car parts down there make yeah. all the stuff down there they do well that's what they're doing in ireland that's what they're doing that's what these right. companies are doing by shifting yep. their their focus to other countries i know but you don't want it going to china and you don't want to go into russia and you don't want to go into saudi arabia so well, i don't know from why the corporation's perspective the only places that are viable are places with plenty of slave labor because that means cheaper parts. It's just so sad that we have to have slavery involved in saving money. It's disgusting. Slavery was involved in saving money since the dawn of human history. I know. That's I the know thing. you're right. Either everyone gives it up or no one gives it up. 
I'm not a fan of slavery. Let me just point that out. Yeah, no matter where it is. No matter where it is, I'm not a fan. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's people are very weird about money. Very 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 weird about money because I, I just um, I, I don't know. They don't like it if you make too much. They don't like it if they don't make enough. They don't. They just don't like it. Why don't you get off your ass and work hard and things will be good, right? Well, it's not that it, simple. Yeah, it depends. I think it's still a land of opportunity. I really do. Well, yeah, it you is. can still work hard and you still can make money. But mm-hmm. the whole um, our our social contract has been changing. That you shouldn't have to work so hard and people should have way more free time and be able to enjoy life. Do you know? And this had nothing to do with unions or any of the rest of it. That radio in Minnesota in the mid-1980s changed forever because the highest-paid person at that time and the highest-paid person uh, right up till today, it, today is 22 times the income they were making in 1986. 22 times. And you know why it changed? Because of the KQ Morning Show. Because we showed them you can blow a business sky. We got a 30 share, for Christ's sake. Yeah, well. So we proved to them you don't have to do all this other stuff. Just get off your ass, deliver a good product to the people, and you will make a hell of a lot more money. Uh, Dave Moore was the highest paid guy in the market, and he was making hundred grand a year back in the early 80s. Well, that was a lot of money in the early 80s. Well, I understand, but now it's like two, $2.2 Yeah. So, I mean... You can you can get it done if you're willing to work hard and get it done and all the rest of it. You got to produce though. That's the big problem. And what do you think about that idea? Do Americans produce as much as they should be producing? In other words, hard work and we, not effort. Even close. We can't because we don't have the factories. We don't have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's there you that's go. always been the promise for the last I don't know twenty elections. Or right. I don't know if it's the last twenty elections. Is you know they go to Ohio, they go to Michigan, they go to. You know the Rust Belt, and talk about bringing jobs back, and right. I, I don't really know how anybody brings jobs back there. What kind of jobs do you bring? Yeah, back I don't there? know if they're well. Duluth is a great example. We were just up there, so I started like you know looking into the history of Duluth and you know Love the city Duluth. of Duluth. So what they're doing right now, how they're making their money, is that they're mining that uh, iron ore, like they have always been doing. But once they have the iron ore, what they do is they sell that iron ore. For dirt cheap to other countries like China. Mm-hmm. China buys the iron ore, turns it into iron, turns it into steel, and then sells us the steel back. So ultimately, we're working at a loss because iron ore is very, worth very little, whereas steel right. is worth a right. lot more per pound. Is that the? Is that because of the uh, the the effect on the ecology by the I believe transfer to steel? I believe that's a big part of it. Is we would so if we smelted it into iron and then alloyed it into steel here, America's you know carbon footprint or whatever would go up. If we sell the ore to China, let them do it, their carbon footprint goes up, but we don't care because all we care about is looking good, not. The, the, the fact that carbon is being produced is inconsequential. If someone else is doing it, we can say, oh, look, they're the bad guys, but we're still the ones getting the steel ultimately. So it's basically just like, you know, the consequences go elsewhere, but, you know, I get all the benefits. You no, know, we pay more for steel, is the, whether that's a benefit or not. Um, that is, yeah, that's the one thing. It's like steel, you can't really produce cheaper. There's no such thing as... It's not like, you know, assembling 
parts, electronics and stuff like that. You know, steel is just you take iron, you mix in some coal, and there you go. You got steel. So where where is it all coming from now? Where's China, all, isn't it? The steel, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all Chinese. So it literally almost destroyed the city of Pittsburgh, from what I understand. Pretty much is anywhere that, in the Rust yeah. Belt, yeah. Oh, God, I, it's so frustrating that, that like, life has to be this way. Like I said, if we have China do it, then we can say, look how green we are. Look how futuristic and progressive we are. Yeah, <laughs> but, it, it, but it's more, I mean, it, I think there's more to it than that. I mean, you got black lungs, you got, I mean, right. there's all sorts of extra issues beyond just looking good. Miners are still getting plenty of respiratory disease. We're well, still sure. mining. Yeah. We're just not doing the smelting and the alloying, which is actually the clean part. Really? Yeah, smelting is really the only uh, the only waste product of smelting is slag, which is basically just a bunch of crap that floats on top of the metal. That's easy to deal with. God, you know, I'm going to throw this out here, and we're going to move on very, very quickly. But one thing I will tell you again is every single day, Monday through Friday, hopefully not, well, I don't look at it as much on Saturday and Sunday because I'm not working, the headline in the Star Tribune just popped up brand new. Three children murdered in shooting at Nashville Private School. Yep. What, every day, some kids are getting shot to death in schools in America. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Why? What is with all the anger and the hatred? And all, what, what is this? Like I said, we pit each other against each other for profit and politics. Shouldn't they stop that? They're not going to. It's too profitable. <laughs> too political. <laughs> well, there you go. It's too much fun, apparently. It just makes me so sad. These are, I don't know, I haven't looked yet. I, let me just, I'll get away from the story. I don't want to spend a lot of time on the story. It's just too damn depressing. But I did want to check just to, just to see how old the children were. Oh. Presbyterian school for about 200 students, it looks like. Uh, they don't really, three children were killed in a shooting in a private oh, Christian grade school in Nashville on Monday. All three children had gunshot wounds from the shooting. The Covenant School is what it's called. Yeah, they don't really talk about how old the kids are, though. But uh, the Christian schools, is that usually like a, like a kindergarten to eighth grade type of deal? Some go all the way to high school. Yeah, some high do, school. Yeah. yeah. Some do indeed, but I mean, I, I, that's the part of it I'm getting really tired of, is everybody being shot to death in our schools now. It, it's, it's like it's every day now, for Christ's sake. What's driving that, do you think? I mean, they sit around and watch the news, I, these older people. that What's the hatred? I assume this, and I'm assuming this so that maybe I'm making a huge mistake, but I think the problem here was probably it's a Christian school because now that's the other thing that people are turning away from is, is uh, religious schools and particularly Christian schools. Sometimes it's just, you know, it's just somebody with a mental disorder. Yeah. Well, they, they, were, they were doing a link to some of the shooters at these school shootings were people that were um, put on antidepressants. Oh, really? <laughs> yep. Yeah, because antidepressants can cause psychosis in a lot of people, and that all of a sudden that story just went away. That was a very, that was... Oh, a drug story that went away? It was one of those stories where people were like, hey, this guy was on, you know, this antidepressant, and that person was on that antidepressant, and look what they ended up doing. And all of a sudden, the story just went away. So, well, I... Healthcare is extremely expensive. Extremely. Especially mental health care. Um, A lot of people just get put put on random pills by doctors Mm -hmm. that don't give a shit. That's true. And it's really easy to get a gun. 
very easy to get a gun. It's extremely well, easy. Well, it's easy to get a gun. I just on my Instagram, somebody was like, oh, haha, I got my nails done, and now I'm looking for guns with my husband at Shields. You know, it's like. <laughs> yeah, but that's an adult. <laughs> School shooters are, by definition, not adults generally. Yeah, but it's easy and, to. Uh, a lot of people are really careless with gun storage. Yeah, that's Clearly, true too. these kids right. are getting into guns. And a part of being a gun owner should be storing it responsibly. Absolutely. But a lot of people don't do that. They just no, they throw them in a corner. And it's well, I mean, just to like, me, it's, it's like go. if you, you know, if you're a parent and your kid, you know, you leave a, a knife lying on the ground, your kid picks it up and gets hurt, mm -hmm. you're going to get charged with negligence. Yes. Yeah. So doing the same thing with a gun should have the same thing. Absolutely. You should at well, the very well, least be charged with criminal negligence. Yes. But that's yeah, but that's how is that going to prevent this stuff from happening? Because I mean, most school shootings are place. well, if they don't they they're going to care if they're going to get sent to prison. They well, don't did, care did, because they're not made to care. Did this shooter kill themselves afterwards? A lot of times uh, they, they yeah, do. He was killed by police. Yeah. The shooter died after being engaged by officers. That's yeah, what see, it, does, it does seem like a majority of them either take themselves out or mm -hmm. want to get killed. And it's like, I, I think part of this mental disorder is if I'm going to, I want to kill myself and I'm going to, I want to take people with me. Yeah. And I don't know yeah. what that yeah, is, maybe. what yeah. kind of mental disorder that is, but it seems like that's well, kind of how it works. There are obviously people in a manic state. Well, yeah, you know, I absolutely. was reading a story about somebody that was going to jump out of a window in New York City, you know, 30 stories up or whatever, and off themselves. And then their cat started rubbing between their ankles, oh. and then it, like, snapped them out of it. And he was like, oh, wait. You know, because they just get in such a manic state that they have no control over their yeah. own body and brain. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Yep. And guns are also very glamorized in a lot of oh, yeah. families and areas of the United States. And, I mean, even with Sage being a little boy, he'll be like, over at a play date or whatever and he'll be like oh we were shooting nerf guns and i don't allow any toy guns at all of any type in my house ever mm -hmm. and i don't call water guns i call them water blasters and because i'm just like it's not a gun we're not playing with guns guns are not toys of any type because then right. saying oh a nerf gun and you're playing and you're shooting people that's kind of glamorizing gun usage Unbelievable. Oh, I should uh, point this out, by the way, because when I looked at that, uh, you know, that the shooter had been killed by police officers, the school's preschool to sixth grade. Mm. You're killing little, little children. Yeah, so this guy did not get a gun legally. Not goes think without so. saying. Well, oh, Officer Dave, by the way, just texted. Uh, he says that it is a statute, at least in Minnesota, that guns must be locked away at all times. Yes, but so, a lot of people don't. But they're really? breaking the law. Yeah, I don't know. But that's I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It's like saying people shouldn't be allowed to have cars yeah, because only people know, drive drunk. It's, yeah, you only know responsible gun owners, probably, Mom. You probably don't. You you don't roll with the people that are just throwing guns in their garage in a corner. That's true. Well, I where I grew <laughs> so. up, guns. Are, well, the guns are still very prevalent in my old neighborhood, and they were when I was a little kid. There were guns everywhere in North Minneapolis, and there still are, from what I understand. Yeah, oh, that story that Leslie Stahl did about Chicago years ago. She said, generally, you could probably, you can, people can find a gun under a bush yeah. in any garbage can. They're yeah. all over the place. Just grab one. 
Little kids grab them all the time. Well, it's another year. What's new for 2023 at Walzer? Well, we're going back in time in a way. You bought a DeLorean franchise. Not exactly. Uh. The market's returning to normal. New inventories are getting back to pre-pandemic levels, and used car prices are returning to normal. So what's a 1995 Camry worth? Deep sympathy. Uh. Mike, have you considered something newer? Well, I would if it came with a 10-year, 150,000-mile powertrain warranty. Hey, was that convincing? As if I knew what a powertrain was? No. It's major medical coverage for your car, and it's free with every new car and most used cars at Walzer. I hope you're also keeping your return and exchange program. Of course, people really like that because it means you can't make a mistake. Interestingly, though, we sold 45,000 cars last year, and we took back less than 100. Amazing upfront pricing, a free 150,000-mile warranty, a return and exchange policy. It's no wonder you sold 45,000 cars last year. To learn more, go to walzer.com. Can I add something? No. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if i'm hanging out with you uh, maybe <laughs> uh, okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant I'd like to be in a better mood, is what I'd like, so people don't shoot one another and they, we can well, all work together. Well, perhaps Joe from no, Louisville will improve your mood. Well, I doubt that highly, but, you know. Joe, well, what's me up? Me too, but hey, it's worth a try. Yeah, it's worth a try. It's worth the effort. You're right. What's happening, so man? I understand you have some questions about the automotive industry. Yeah, I, I just, um, again, I, I just, if we, if we had everybody just... I don't know how to explain it. I mean, people are coming across the border anyway. Why didn't we say, if you want to come here, there's some jobs. They don't pay as well. You know, you're just starting out. We, uh, you know, can't. Uh, the taxes are a huge part of it. But I thought the taxation was very low at those incomes. No, the, the jobs just aren't here. Yeah, it's the they corporations that are getting taxed so they can't produce the jobs. Oh, I see what you're saying. So it's the corporate tax that you're talking about. Right. Yeah, I suppose that's now, true. See, so basically... We, we get ahead. our part, like you said, they're not built here. They're assembled here. Yep. Right, right. So my, the AAC compressor I used to put on the engine came from Poland. Our engines and transmissions came from uh, Spain, Portugal, and I believe Chihuahua, Mexico. Mm -hmm. So everything's built there and shipped in the United States. I guess it's cheaper. But I don't understand why don't we do what they do then, set aside designated areas where taxation isn't anywhere near as high so we can build our own stuff. I don't get that it. That makes too much sense. Well, it does. That's true. Nobody does. I mean... It, 
No. You know, you see all these all these vehicles getting all these recalls. It's like, you know, it's these parts that are failing. It's not our fault that it's failing. It's whoever makes those parts, it's their fault the shit's failing. Yeah. It just yeah. happens to be on our vehicle. Yep. And because we're selling them under warranty, we have to replace them and bite it, basically. No, I understand. When that, when that stuff was made here, this shit just didn't happen as much. Well, and again, I still don't understand why we didn't rope off or fence off designated areas. Because if somebody came to me and said, Tom, those people that work inside that designated area don't pay anywhere near as much taxes as the people outside that. But we can prevent sending all of our business to other countries by doing this. That seems to me like a very prudent way to address this problem. Why didn't we do that? That makes so much sense. It does. That it just makes and we're, we're, we're providing other countries with the opportunity to make money to give to the government, their, their government. Mm-hmm. Their government is true them over like ours is doing. They don't <laughs> so want everybody, everybody to be like us. So <laughs> and not only are they getting the good stuff, you know, we're, we're working, we're getting money in, but they're also giving the money to the government. The government turns around and screws them too. So yeah, they're just like us. Why not? I guess. I just, it just seems to me, why can't we all just get along? That's all I'm saying. Because it would be too easy. It's too easy then, yeah. Life would be too happy would be too easy. There are, there are many, many more prudent ways to, to address these problems. And that's why I will tell you honestly, what, what were we watching last night, Catherine, was really interesting because they were talking about how filthy politicians were 100 years ago. The pinball movie? Was it in the pinball oh, movie? Something yes. new. 100 years ago, they were filthy. Well, what do you think they are now? I mean, our politicians are disgusting. There might be a couple of yeah. good ones, but most of them are money-grubbing pigs. They're disgusting people. I mean, it's, it's too bad. Our politicians are destroying this country. There is no doubt. And I'm talking about all of them, not just one party over the other. They're all lying for their own benefit, and they're all just money-grubbing pigs-ish. All right, now I'm happy. We... We got a guest coming up in about three minutes. So, Joe, you got a couple more things you want to talk about or anything? We got about three more minutes, Pally. Well, just uh, the big three are no longer in Detroit. They moved to the suburbs to Dearborn. Right. Oh, that's right, Dearborn. Yeah. Indeed. That's, that's one of the reasons Detroit went bankrupt because the big three pulled out. Now, didn't they move to Dearborn because there's a huge Muslim population there? That's what I was told, anyway, because they, they could hire people for less money. Is that correct? I don't know. Dearborn's a suburb of Michigan, so I'm guessing they moved because it looked nicer. <laughs> I think that's what it is. is. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Who knows? Anyway, I just it just gets very, very frustrating to look at the same headlines every day, and it's always a problem, and it's always, always, always about money. Jesus. And quit looking man. at the headlines. But it's my job to look at the headlines. I have to. Not anymore. It's not. So the morning show is totally different now. I, I can just talk about anything? Well, you Technically, guys. Technically, yes. <laughs> Yeah, nice you've already got a format set down. You, the only place you talk about the bullshit going on in the world today is your pod, the afternoon show. Well, I talk about the bullshit going on in the world on the morning one as well. Hey, when we don't have guests, that's true. Like we have a guest Which coming up in one minute. Guess. That's just the thing. 
Yeah, that's very, and very you got true. A, you got a good format going. Don't ruin it by getting pissed off every day. No, I do. Well, you're absolutely. I am much, much happier than I was a few months ago. Believe me, much happier. Yeah, we can tell. Everybody can state, tell. That's what I heard. There's a big, big uh, lineup of people on the internet going, "God, Tom's actually in a good mood. What the hell's going on?" <laughs> After a while, I was wondering who the hell you were because you didn't sound like Tom. A different human being, man. Well, I, you know, when oh, you're not shit. told you're a piece of shit every day, it, it really helps. You know what I mean? Well. True. That's true. But I left your grandfather's right. that a long time ago. There you go. All right, we got a guest coming up, Joe. Thanks for calling, though, Pally. I'll take care. You too. Joe from Louisville, ladies and gentlemen, calling in, taking care of business. You know what I'm saying. I'm working overtime. I don't know. Like I said, I just get very frustrated because nobody ever thinks through anything anymore. It's just they look at how much dough they can pocket, and that's all that matters to them. we got to start going through, mulling through these problems together, don't you think? Good luck. Good luck to me. Let me let me know when Sid Hart is ready to go. All right. Huh? Uh, Andy's oh, on the phone right the now. Phone. I'm, I'm going right to so. say my goodbyes. See you, Alex. All right, I'll Alex. We'll talk tomorrow. to you tomorrow. So in the in the good news, Jeremy Renner's back uh, apparently on treadmills and starting to is he really? work again. Oh, wow. That's, so that's pretty good. great news. It's great to hear with him as bad that's as he was hurt. That. So mayor of Kings, Kingston's got a shot. For a comeback. I love that show. Do you? I do. This, I think that show's terrific. This year was, it was okay. The well, I haven't latest, seen this year yet. Yeah, the latest season was, well, I, I think they told a, a, a three-week story over ten weeks. So, but oh, it, yeah. it ended it ended decent, and there's enough uh, questions about what's going to happen that they can come back. So, we'll see. Well, we, Hugh Dillon writes the show, doesn't he? Yeah. The ball guy. I like him a lot. I liked him on Flashpoint, the Canadian show. And we are back with Stretch's picks. You know, Tom, uh, there's a lot of analysis that goes into these picks. Yeah. And uh, I highly recommend betting, of course. I always recommend betting. Yeah, absolutely. So who's winning this thing? The kitties, the pack, the bears, or the purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. I know, but it's a hell of an HVAC company. They do the most thorough system tune-up in the industry. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. It's also the smartest time to call and schedule your furnace tune-up with Sabre. Get the most thorough tune-up in the industry from the people who keep my home comfortable. So, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SaberHeating.com. Anyway, Andy, you're up. We got our guest on the phone. Siddharth Kara. How are, how are you today? Fine, thank you. How are you? Marvelous. Did I pronounce your name correctly? Perfectly. What? Siddharth, I've always liked you. I just want to point <laughs> that out. Anybody tells me I do anything perfectly, i got to be grateful. Uh, I, what I want to do, basically, is I want to introduce you and then sit back and shut up because this is a phenomenal, phenomenal story. Siddharth Kara with us today. The book is called Cobalt Red, How the Blood of the Congo Powers Our Lives. That's available on Amazon, available everywhere. An unflinching investigation reveals the human rights abuses behind the Congo's cobalt mining operation and the moral implications that affect us all. Siddharth, we've been talking about this for, for about an hour now. The... the 
you know, the lust for money in the world, not just the America, but around the world, money, 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 money. And do we even care about human beings anymore? What do you think? Well, I think um, there's a segment of humanity that is guided by unbounded greed. Um, yep. And the consequences of that can be seen uh, across um, the global south in particular, at the bottom of global supply chains. And I think one of the most extreme and appalling manifestations uh, is taking place right now in the Congo with cobalt mining. Do we have cobalt in America to mine? I don't even know if that's true or not. Not a lot. Not, not a lot. Some... That's right. Okay. So we, do we, we have to go to the Congo to get the cobalt? Well, there is more cobalt sitting under the ground in the Congo than the rest of the planet combined. So uh, it is um, uh, an unavoidable source uh, of cobalt, but that doesn't mean that the mining has to take place in a way uh, that is so destructive and violent against the people and environment uh, of the Congo. Now, we do have to have the cobalt because it's the essential component to every lithium-ion uh, uh, rechargeable battery, correct? That's right. Cobalt is used in just about every single smartphone, tablet, laptop, and electric God. vehicle and other rechargeable gadget used in the world today. About three-fourths of the world's supply of cobalt is mined in the Congo uh, in these utterly destructive, violent, degrading, slave-like conditions. So people like you and I and your listeners, mm -hmm. we can't function for 24 hours without cobalt from the Congo. No. Um, hi, this is Catherine. I've been following your story for a while. Has, has anything changed? Has there been uh, any, any congressional bills about cobalt and sourcing? And is, are there any other alternatives? Well, I think attention is growing. Cobalt Red, my book, which is just out a couple of months ago, uh, brought this truth to the world uh, at scale. I mean, people around the world are now learning the truth of what happens when they plug in their phones and cars. They're plugging in the death and violence against the Congolese people, especially women and children. Um, so we need time to start working on solutions. But the fact of the matter is it should never have come to this point. Yes. Uh, the, the tech and EV companies at the top of the cobalt supply chains all proclaim that their supply chains are untainted by forced labor, child labor, uh, labor abuses, that mining is done in a sustainable way. And none of that is true. So we should not even have come to this point. A book like Cobalt Red shouldn't even need to exist. But now the truth is coming out and the world is learning uh, what it takes for them to, to lead their rechargeable lives. How did this come to your attention? Well, I've been researching slavery and child labor for about 23 years in dozens of countries. And I remember six or seven years ago, some colleagues in the field told me, Siddharth, you know, the, the, the cobalt, the cobalt in the Congo, it's in the batteries. You, you need to go see what's happening there. It's awful. And at that time, I thought cobalt was a color. I didn't know yeah, any cobalt. Cobalt blue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's all I knew about cobalt. Um, and it took me a little while to, to establish ground relationships to get into the Congo. It is, a, as you know, a deeply impoverished, violent, uh, unstable place. But I took that first trip in 2018, first of four trips. And what I saw was an utter hellscape. Women and children caked in toxic filth. Cobalt is toxic to touch and breathe. 
babies strapped to their mother's backs as they hack at the ground for cobalt, all feeding it up the chain. It's like it's like stepping back in time to the colonial era when the people of Africa were just utterly enslaved and degraded for their brute labor. Mm-hmm. But we were just talking about this at Hearth, uh, talking about it uh, on the show before you got on. This whole idea that everything we do now in America is made somewhere else because it's made by slave labor, like, oh, the, cheap. like the Uyghurs and, uh, you know, that whole group of people, because it's cheaper. Um, does anybody have a soul any longer? Is that the non-existent soul that it used to exist in people? Does anybody care about anybody anymore? It's very disturbing. I think generally people like you, me, your listeners, are people of good conscience. The, the problem is the horrors are tucked away out of sight. Uh, it, it, that's the nature of yep. the global economy. You know, the, the, the companies over here at the top of the chain all uh, market themselves as sustainable and good stewards of, of, of moral leadership around the world. And all this degradation is tucked away in Africa, in South Asia, boosting profits for these mega cap companies at the top of the chain. But truth seekers invariably bring light into that darkness. They bring the horror out to the world and that activates people of conscience. And I think that is what's happening right now. There is a movement growing built on a newfound awareness of the horrors of cobalt mining and how it touches all of our lives. And I think things are going to change. I think we're on the same wavelength here because everything you just said is things I just said about a half an hour ago when we were talking about uh, (laughs) what we were talking about, the automotive industry, sending it over to China so people could get paid $5 a week to put parts together and bring them over here. But we don't care about it because it's happening over there. We're not thinking about it. That's right. the, The thing is, why is it okay to treat those people over there Mm-hmm. in a subhuman way, exactly. when we would never treat our people over here that way. And the only answer to that question is because the nature of the global economic order considers them to be worthless. The children yep. of Africa are not worth our children. The forced laborers in China or South Asia are not worth the same as yeah. our people over here. And when I say that, I mean the assessment has been made by the economic system. The multinational corporations at the top of these chain supply chains have have tacitly or overtly assessed that those people are worth less. We can pay them pennies. We can work them to the bone so long as we improve and increase shareholder value every quarter. Uh, what are we going to do? Okay, so now uh, American government has decided to mandate – all of these things with the electric vehicles, they don't want you to have gas stoves anymore. All, I don't know if this new smart stoves, electric stoves are going to yeah. need cobalt or not. <laughs> I have no idea. But it, we're pushing and pushing and pushing this forward. This is going to harm those people even more, I'm guessing. Uh, no qu- As matters stand, absolutely. Uh, and I understand the importance of protecting the, the environment and pursuing climate sustainability goals, fine. I'm not here to judge that. But what I am here to, to, to toll, to toll the bell, is if you're going to pursue those goals at the consequence of destroying the people and the environment of the heart of Africa, then it's all hypocrisy. 
It's exactly. all hypocrisy. And until you ensure the decency and dignity of the supply chain all the way down to the child caked in toxic filth, scrounging with his or her bare hands to get a sack of cobalt fed up the chain into our smartphones and cars, until that is sorted out, the entire agenda is built on a lie and it's built on hypocrisy. Well, here's a question. Let's say hypothetically tomorrow we discover 10 million megatons worth of cobalt in America. Do you think we would even mine it or would we keep getting the cheap stuff from Africa? I, I think I think that's that's a the, the question uh, of the day, of the hour, of this era. Uh, uh, and I, I will uh, admit there's the thing is most of the cobalt in the world is in the Congo. Mm-hmm. Okay, but if hypothetically we were to find out that there was an enormous um, deposit of cobalt in our backyards, well, one of two things would happen. Either policy would still opt for the cheap, degraded labor and destruction of the environment of Africa to boost profitability, or if that deposit was exported here, it would be done in a way that is sustainable and decent and dignified for our people in our environment. And that comes right back to the central question, why is it okay to send the children of the Congo into into toxic pits when we wouldn't send the children of Cupertino yeah, into yeah. toxic pits? But how how are you going to make that work unless you overthrow their government or you you go in and try to take it over? I mean, even those examples have been poor examples when you look at the past when the British ran things or other countries ran things. Only way to stop it is to stop buying cobalt. Right. Uh, well, that's exactly right. What the would, solution yeah. for it. Yes. You know? Huge corporations like Apple and whoever makes all the batteries for cars would have to say, we're not buying from you until you've cleaned this up. Yeah, well, exactly. Story. But, but then they not, can't produce but, cars and then they go bankrupt. So it's like, it's... Well, at some point you have to take a stand. You would think... Or just use non-cobalt batteries, which do exist, but they're not as good. They're not as good, and the fact of the matter is the, in, the demand for cobalt starts at the top of the chain. Everything that's happening downstream is only a consequence of the demand at the top, and that's where the solutions have to stop. start. Mm-hmm. Those companies need to be boots on the ground at the bottom of their supply chain. Yeah. It shouldn't be me or journalists or NGOs going to find the truth and try to bring dignity to the people of the Congo, digging out the cobalt for tech and EV companies. They should have teams on the ground, ensuring that their supply chains maintain the standards of human rights that they proclaim they do, but, and that mining is not done in a destructive way as they proclaim it's not. But isn't that still going to involve having to overthrow the government in Congo? No, no. The, the, look, the Congo, Congo is a poor, war-torn country. No question about mm-hmm. it. Okay. Um, and right now, they're in the pocket of China because of all the big mining deals that were signed under the previous president, Joseph Kabila. The current president, Felix Shishikedi, wants to move the country towards the West because he sees these Chinese companies are destroying his country, siphoning out and sucking out all the resources, and feeding it up the chain. uh, Exactly. So we have an opportunity to get on the ground and to to manifest to the world a different set of standards. You know, either we stand for something in this country as a moral leader, or we don't. And it, it, it can't just be words. 
you know, we have to we have to steward uh, our brand of decency and dignity uh, on the ground at the bottom of our corporate supply chains or not, or just say we're going to sit back, let China destroy the people and environment of Africa so long as we make money. I've never understood why when everybody's, all the politicians and all everybody's screaming about the end of the world is near because of, you know, global warming or climate change or whatever their catchphrase is today, why we can't have the infrastructure, a clean, solid infrastructure in place before we start making all these emotional laws to appease mm. people that don't understand how the supply chains work. You're exactly right. I, I mean, this this uh, alarm is leading to uh, uh, this charging forward with this um, sustainability agenda. And, and no one bothered to look back and see, are we trampling on anybody in the process? Right. <clears throat> uh, and if we are, let's pause and sort that out. Because we can't build our green future by destroying another part of the world. Right. And we can't enable our rechargeable lives by destroying an entire population of people in the heart of Africa. Aye, this makes me, I mean, I've got a rechargeable stick vacuum in the corner. I'm looking at my <laughs> cell phone. I'm like, oh, God. The average person probably has... 15 lithium-ion batteries in their house these days. Oh, absolutely. I've never, you know, until, until this book came out, I just, I didn't, I never thought about it because it's never been a concern because nobody ever talked about it. No, never. Siddharth, do well, you think, oh, go ahead. Uh, let me say this, let me say this, because this, what you're saying is very important. We have all been made unwitting participants in this enormous violence against the people in Africa. When you plug in your rechargeable vacuum cleaner or phone or tablet or whatever, you don't tell yourself, I've made a choice to plug in the death of children in the Congo. Mm, uh, no. I'm buying gadgets that are caked in the blood of people of the Congo. You'd, you'd never make that choice. But that choice has been forced upon us. And now we're participating in this against our will and against our knowledge. But now the world is knowing. My book tells the truth through the voices of the Congolese people of what they're suffering, how they live, work, and die for the world's cobalt. And as you and I and your listeners learn this truth, pressure is building to, ass to assess accountability on those companies at the top of the chain. Thank God. Thank God, exactly. So, Dart, this is what we need to hear, is these companies have got to start paying the price for what they've done to humanity. It's disgusting. So, All for money. But isn't a lot of the problem, too, is outsourcing everything to China? I don't yes. know if China cares about the Congo. They don't. Not. But, I mean, maybe, really. maybe the people would, but the government is the one in charge of everything in China. Right? Yep. Well, and it's that, you know, it's this, there's this, there's this devil's bargain with China. You know, all that outsourcing takes place because it boosts profitability. Mm -hmm. Now, why does it boost profitability? Because they don't maintain the same standards of dignity, human rights, labor, wages, s sustainability 
that the global north, that Western Europe and the United States, Canada, North America, that we would expect. But we know that. The companies know that. They know that there are Uyghurs uh, in forced labor putting together solar panels and T-shirts and, and, and all the rest. And that all these manufacturing facilities are filled with people working tooth to bone, 20 hours a day, being paid penny wages. Everybody knows that. And, and I'm confident that all the tech and EV companies with cobalt in their batteries are fully aware of what's happening in the Congo. They just looked the other way and, mm-hmm. and totted up the quarterly profits uh, uh, until now the truth is emerging. Mm-hmm. I mean, people should be going to jail for traf- human trafficking over this, yeah. in my opinion. Well, if it were up to me, I would take every CEO of these companies by the ear, drag them to the Congo, yeah. and start and start them digging, and, and just to experience the brute, degrading, violent labor that their Congolese employees have to go through every single day, so that they can have their fancy yachts and jets and and stock bonuses, um, without even casting an eye on the consequences of their supply chains. I would take them all there and say, let's get in a pit and you start digging so you know what these people are going through. And then you talk to them and hear what they're going through. That's what they, that's what they should be doing. So who is actually operating the mining companies that employ the miners? Most of the mines in the Congo are run by Chinese companies. Mm, there you go. And, and they're... they're there are, fifth, there, are, there are probably 19 major copper cobalt mining concessions in the Congo. When I, and when I say concession, I mean territory controlled by a Congo and when I, uh, by a mining company. And when I say territory, these things are enormous. The largest mining concession, cobalt mining concession in the Congo is the size of London. Jeez. Okay. So you imagine a territory that size that's been ripped and obliterated, millions of trees, clear-cut, enormous open pits, gouging the earth, water polluted, air polluted, all to feed cobalt up to our EVs because it's green, not for the, not for the Congo. Uh, so 15 of the 19 are owned by Chinese mining companies. The, the environment has been destroyed. Um, there are hundreds of thousands of people women and children, boys and men, digging and scrounging inside and around these industrial mines owned primarily by Chinese companies. And everything they produce is sold to those mining companies and then directly into the formal supply chain. I, I know we're running sh- or short on time here, but is there a, is there a, is there a good, a good, <laughs> a much better, a clean way of mining this? Cobalt? Well, you know, as I said, about three-fourths of the world's supply of cobalt is mined in the Congo, and then there's a bunch of countries responsible for 3%, 2%, Australia, Canada, Russia, some other places. I haven't done research in Australia, but I'm sure their cobalt mines are just fine. Same for, same for Canada. What has to happen is companies at the top of the chain that have created this enormous demand, this scramble for cobalt, have an obligation, a duty, to get on the ground at the bottom of their supply chains that they created 
and sort out the conditions for the people digging their cobalt in the Congo. It's not that hard. Figuring out how to create an EV and manufacture it or design a smartphone, that's harder than ensuring people in the Congo are paid a decent wage, have some PPE so they're not being contaminated every day, touching and breathing cobalt. That's easy compared to the other problems. What do they get paid right now? A dollar or two a a day. So so you go to a decent pay for a place as big as London, your costs are going to be incredible. And I'm not defending them, but... I, I, how does how would that even work? You you'd end up spending what? How what would the price of a cell phone then be? Well, maybe the CEO wouldn't have a hundred billion. Maybe he'd only have two billion. I don't know. Well, and the other thing is the concept of someone going into a tunnel with a pickaxe and a headlamp is very obsolete. I mean, we have equipment that can mine tons and tons of earth in a single day. It's just a lot cheaper to pay someone a dollar a day to go in there with the pickaxe. But I mean, we could still produce cobalt relatively cheaply. It would just require a lot more investment from these companies in order to get the operations going. So then those people wouldn't even have jobs at all. They wouldn't even have the dollar fifty. They could run the machinery. There's a lot of jobs involved in mining. Not even close to the number of not not like yeah, yeah not like that. But I mean, if one person is making. 10 times as much as they were before, then they can feed their family rather than having to have their entire family employed. Sure. So there is that. That's right. Listen, this this is really important, what you just said. Right now, mother and father are making a dollar or two a day. Mm -hmm. You you can't survive on that. So that means children come out of school so they can also earn a dollar, and then the family can eat for that day. Now, if you simply paid mother and father a fixed daily wage of $10, Okay, $10 a day. Maybe that's a buck or so an hour. Then children can stay in school. That is a de minimis expense relative to the profits these companies are making. Okay? Uh, It is a rounding error on their balance sheets to part with $10 a day per worker. Give them some PPE. That's a one-time fixed cost. Gloves, goggles, hard hats mitts and so on so they're not being poisoned every day by cobalt that's not that expensive and then your last point this highly hazardous work that these people undertake like tunnel digging they do that because the grade of cobalt that's maybe 50 60 feet underground is higher and so instead of earning a dollar or two maybe they'll get three or four dollars and so they dig these tunnels by hand. There are no supports, no ventilation shafts, oh, no rock bolts, all hoping to get that 3 or $4. They're crouched in darkness, and every week, there are probably 15,000, 20,000 tunnels like that in the mining areas. Every week, one of those collapses and buries alive everyone who's down there, everyone who's down there. Uh, and I've met the mothers who lost their, their sons and their husbands, pounding their chests in grief that this is the fate they endure just to survive. And none of this needs to be happening if the companies that are swimming and drowning in money simply paid people a decent wage, children stayed in school, you give them PPE, you run things in a safe and secure manner, and every, every problem being faced by these people could be solved if there was simply the will to do so and a, and a modest 
expenditure that probably wouldn't even be noticed at the top of the chain. Well, and as we know, American companies especially won't do it unless there's demand from the consumers. And that comes to awareness. Right. You know, that's the, the history of human rights is a repeated story that greed, unbounded greed, creates a horror of exploitation of people who otherwise don't count. Yeah, and it goes on until truth seekers bring that horror out into the world, out into the open, and then communities of conscience, humanity in general, bands together uh, to bring justice and address that horror. And I'm not saying everyone on the planet is good, but by and large, most of us are good people and don't want to participate in the degradation or enslavement of our fellow human beings. I haven't bought a Nike product in 10 years. Mascara, you <laughs> you're never getting rid of us now. I hope you know uh, that. This, you did. this is wonderful. It's wonderful. I and, mean, and the awareness. Yeah. Sorry. Not no, no, that, no. Having him as a guest is what you meant. As exactly. Mm-hmm. Said Hart, they meant having you as a guest is a wonderful thing. Yeah, I, that's what you, I want to be clear. Exactly. Please come back. Glad to be here with you. Well, please come back because people need to know that this is going on. There's no excuse for this. Mr. Carr, thank you so much for your time today, sir. Uh, the book is called Cobalt Red Blood Congo Powers. It's available at Amazon and everywhere else. Uh, last name spelled K-A-R-A, Siddharth Kara. We'll talk to you soon, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. See? Wow. Uh, who led up to this with the first part of the show? I told you. We got to stop treating human beings like shit. That, that would, would be, be really yeah, nice. Absolutely. In every facet of the world. All right. You kids have a wonderful day. Oh, I know. I'm like, oh, Man. I feel guilty now. Go do and some... I just bought a, I just bought a hybrid car. <laughs> go buy some ground-penetrating radar and find some cobalt deposits in your backyard. That'll there you go. Instantly there you go. fix the problem. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Uh, Bye. 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 Bye.